This is Anthony in Areno, and you're listening to In the Arena. Step into the arena. Hi, it's Anthony in Areno, and this episode of In the Arena is sponsored by Cirrus Insights. And Cirrus Insights is an amazing sales productivity tool. It will transform the way you work, it'll save you time, and it will keep you from being frustrated with a lot of the day-to-day tasks you do. For example, you're going to be able to schedule meetings with your prospective customers and your customers right from your inbox. You're going to be able to track your emails to see which are being opened and which you need to follow up on. And your emails are automatically going to be logged in salesforce.com so you don't have to go back and do that repetitive work after you've just made the call. All of your customer information is going to be right at your fingertips inside your inbox. How awesome is that? So right now, you can go to cirrusinsight.com forward slash sales gravy and start a 14-day free trial of Cirrus Insight. And you'll get 20% off when you sign up using the promo code SalesGravy. CirrusInsight.com forward slash SalesGravy. And you'll also find that in the show notes. Now, without any further ado, you can just imagine Jim Keenan. He's wearing his red shirt. It says, a sales guy, badass. He's got his red beats on and he's ready to rock and roll. Without any further delay, Jim Keenan, a sales guy in the arena. Jim Keenan, how are you, my friend? Awesome, baby. Awesome. Thank so I'm looking at you, you holding a copy of your new book, Not Taught, and that's what we're here to talk about today, your new book. And I want to start at the beginning of this. Why did you write this book? You want the short answer or the long answer? I don't know, if, the you medium have a, answer. I don't know if you have a short answer. Oh, that's <laughs> true. So truth. All right. I, I'll give... Uh, because I think it matters, actually, because um, I talk a little bit about the book. So I, I didn't have some epiphany that I need to write a book, right? Uh, it, it was part of a journey. And part of the journey comes along with, you know, the idea of giving. This was a phenomenal example of how giving gives back to you even when you're not expecting it. So a friend of mine asked me if I'd be willing to speak uh, to a class of his graduate students at the University of Denver, um, good school. And I was like, sure, be my pleasure. What do you want me to talk about? He says, you know what, anything. I said, that's ah, not good enough. I mean, you got to give me at least, steer me in a direction. He said, uh, talk about what they need to know when they graduate. And I was like, all right, that's interesting. I haven't thought about it. And implied in that to me was there is something different about them graduating now than when I graduated 20 years ago, right? Implied. But I, I didn't know it to be fact. So I sat down and I thought, okay, what is going on in the world that these kids need to know that they may not have known. And as I went through that process, a lot of things started funneling it out. And so I created a list, I think, of 12 things, gave it, and the kids loved it. So I was like, all right, this, I'm on to something here. So then I wrote a blog post and crammed all of them into a blog post. And, uh, and that blog post did fairly well. 
And it just really stuck with me. I was like, you know what, this is make a good little ebook. If I make like 800 words on each chapter, flush it out a little more, then um, it would help. And then as I got into it, as you know, the same thing as I got into it, I started to realize, look, there's more here. I added, I did some research and said, why is it different? And that's where I came up with the idea of the industrial age versus the information age. And so the long short of it is, it wasn't an epiphany. It was a journey that I went along that started with being willing to give to others that returned this book to me. What's, what's interesting about that is that they are living in a different world. And you have three kids who are all thankfully um, blessed with their mom's genes. They're beautiful. And I've got three <laughs> kids. The same, I'm in the same situation you are. Um, they, my three dodged a bullet, too. And they are going into a very <laughs> different world, right? So this is my parents believe that you got a good job. You made a good income. You took care of your family. You're going to work there for the rest of your life. That's the kind of situation that they grew up with. So that's the the kind of meme that they tried to install in us. And then the world shifts dramatically. And now there's this massive toolkit you and I are using right now. You know, we've got video Mm -hmm. going right now. We've got audio being recorded. So we have the tools to produce our own radio show, produce our own TV show, which is is what you do on, on a sales guy. I mean, with the with the videos on YouTube. We have the ability to to write content and hit the publish button. There's no publisher between us and the audience that we want. So this world that they're coming into is very different, and the rules have changed. And so giving them the industrial age mindset actually puts them at a disadvantage because as soon as there's any kind of disruption in the economy, big companies just lay off people in the hundreds and thousands, you know, like an ESPN, mm-hmm. and, and you just you can pick your your weekly story of who's laying people off. You have to prepare differently. So now they're out of school and you have to give them a message. And so you start giving them a message about what? What's the starting point for this message? What's most important for them to understand? Well, so from the tactical perspective, I think the most important thing to understand is things like reach and brand. But what made the book go from just a PowerPoint to a blog to an ebook to a full fledged 200 page book was. I, I began to do a little research and dig into what has changed in that the movement from the industrial age to the information age really changes the ball game. And so if they don't understand like anything else, why the contextual changes, you won't adopt them. You won't understand why reach matters or why a brand matters or why thinking matters. Right? I have this whole chapter here called thinking that most people I think just gloss over until they start digging a little deeper like, whoa, I get it now. But the industrial age was 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 inherently and structurally different. As a for example, let's talk about thinking. In the industrial age, for most people, the whole phrase, I don't pay you to think, was sort of a joke, but it was real, right? It's it was very rote, repetitious jobs in most cases. Very few people had the information and they submitted it to the people who needed to know it on a do this with this. The idea that in 1950, 1967, or even early 80s, you would go to your boss and say, I have an idea and we should do something was absolutely, utterly um, unacceptable, right? It's everybody had their place and their expectation. In today's world, I talk about this in a study by IBM, companies are desperate, desperate for people to think and to come up with ideas and to solve problems on their own and not ask permission to how to solve a problem. Yet we haven't conditioned people to do this. I have people that work for me that actually sat in my desk. She was an intern and I let her go, who literally said, okay, now what? I mean, what do you mean now what? I told you what we're trying to accomplish because you just need to tell me step by step. It's a 22-year-old millennial whose mind frame is, tell me what to do step by step. 
that is the industrial age mentality and it won't work. So long diatribe is one of my passionate ones. You got to understand the difference, but reach and brand are two of the biggest. Let's, absolutely the biggest. let's talk about reach for a minute because I, I want people that are listening to this to understand the concept of, of what does that mean when you talk about reach and the importance of reach. And, and I've, I've taught at a university for, I don't know, six or seven years and I teach young people and they're going to go out into the world after leaving my class on social media marketing or personal selling or persuasive marketing. They don't have a LinkedIn profile. I mean, so, so yes. their, re their reach is essentially zero. They've got Facebook, but Facebook, when you look at their Facebook, they're not going to get hired with the Facebook page the way that they have a Facebook page now. In fact, they're going to get not hired as soon as you go out and look at their social media because yeah. they're, they're teenagers <coughs> or in their early 20s and they're making the well, less of mistakes than I might have made, but they're still making major mistakes. <laughs> so you see this and you're looking at like you you have no ability for anybody who would be looking for you to find you. And if you do have anything up and I go look at it, it's going to cause me not to hire you. So talk about reach and the importance of that. And then we can weave that into the brand discussion. Yeah. So, you know, what I look at reach is, is reach is this idea of how many people can you influence? How many people can you touch? How can you move a message through other people, right? It's this idea of being able to create influence. Think, so we're talking about high school kids. Think about high school. There were kids who were really popular in high school. And if they wore something or they said something or they did something or they having a party, they could get the, everybody else talking about that and the whole school would, would know. Other kids didn't have that, right? And so they said something, nobody showed up and nobody knew what was going on. So that's, that's reach. And reach has always been important, right? I talk in the book about William Randolph Hearst. He was one of the richest people in the world during the industrial age, particularly in the Gilded Age, because he had reach. He had mad reach, right? And people pay for reach. So the idea now, and, and, and individuals had it, but we had physical networks. That was our reach back in the day, right? The Rolodex. Remember that old concept of a Rolodex? That was reach. So reach has always been important, and those who had it could do well. Here's the difference in the 21st century, the information age. It's been magnified by a thousand. The idea that someone has a Rolodex with a hundred people that he can call is just small potatoes now. Because like you, someone who has 30,000 Twitter followers and I don't know, 10,000 LinkedIn folks and people reading your books and listening to this podcast, you can, you can move stuff through that group of people instantly. If you ever needed something, all you had to do was ask. If you want to promote something, all you have to do is put it out there and people will react. So God forbid, let's just, let's just suggest that Armageddon and your consulting practice and all that dies and you actually had to get a job. There are people out there sitting on top of companies that would still exist. It would be like, we need Anthony, right, because of that reach. So it's utterly important that you are connected to and can tap into thousands of people and tens of thousands, not tens and 50 and maybe 100 now. How do you let's let's talk about two groups and move into the branding thing because I see I see this big split and I see the same confusion on both sides of this this split. So let's go with your young millennials who are in in my opinion not aware of what their brand could or should be because they're fearful. So they don't want to be creators even though they have good ideas, even though they're smart. They don't yet trust themselves to actually start figuring out what that brand is going to look like. And then on the other end, you've got people in, in our age group, younger and older. So let's go down to 40 and up even older than that, who, who think well, it's too late for me to start working on my brand because I'm already past that time. Even though at this age, 
you actually have some chops, you know some things, you've got some life experiences, you can actually create massive value, but you're withholding all that value and pretending you're a secret agent and that you'd have to be discovered and found out to have it before you could share it with anybody. And they're waiting for somebody to you know, come tap them on the shoulder and say, hey, I approve of you now. You now have permission to go ahead and start sharing all these things that you could do to help other people. Tell me about brand from both of those perspectives in your opinion. All right. So with young people, I think the brand piece is interesting because I think I think the millennials, unfortunately, are st- are have are stuck between the world they grew up in, right? YouTube, Facebook, twenty four seven internet, anything they want at their hands, and all the messages that they're getting in school and they're getting from their parents. I mean, I, I got in a massive debate with a really good friend, extremely wealthy family. They all go off to boarding school this summer with their oldest um, son. And he was dead set that if he didn't go to one of the best colleges in the country, he was not going to be successful. Like, this was so drilled into his head. Now, forget the fact that if he never went to school, his family, when I say wealthy, I mean to the tune of hundreds of millions, if not close to a billion. But so... But it was, it was just so ingrained that I'm sitting here talking to him about this, and he kept saying, yeah, yeah, but, yeah, yeah, but. So they're stuck between what our, our world, what, our, what we're teaching our kids in the new world, right? So the, when it comes to brand for them, I think they just don't have the, the, the green light that draws them forward, that sort of tells them or calls them out or creates the motivation that says, I need a brand. They're, they're, they're looking at it as a brand as ever, for everybody else. And that's sort of why I wrote the book. It's called... You know, you know this. The second half is the what it takes to be successful in the 21st century that nobody's teaching you, and that was part of the reason I wrote the book. Is I realized no one's telling kids this, no one's telling adults this, so they just don't know. You don't know what you don't know. Um, so I think that's what it is with kids. But the other part of this is, I think they struggle at stopping and saying, "Okay, what do I want to be known for? What can I be good at? What do I need to learn?" And what do I want to brand? So unlike the adults, they have to build their brand at the same time as they're trying to build. So in a lot of ways, that's a little more daunting, right? It's, I don't know what I have yet. I don't know what, even if I have it, I don't know if I want to be known for it. So they've got a little more searching to do. Um, The adults, on the other hand, I think is interesting, is they're completely rooted in the 20th century and the industrial age. And in addition to this, and I talk about this in the book, and some of your fans are not going to like this, but the majority of the people at our age and more who need this book the most, Anthony, they suck at what they do. They have gotten on this road of do what I'm supposed to do, don't screw up, and I can just keep going. I'm not going to read two or three books a week as you look at all the books behind behind you there or two or three books a month i can't tell you the last time i went to a training course that my company didn't t- didn't force me to do i can't tell you the last time i created a process for my company that was going to streamline something or improve something no they're all on autopilot they don't they're not as good as they think and so when they sit there and they're told they have to get on linkedin and and create content or uh uh you know build reach you know, the argument is, well, I, I want to protect my privacy, et cetera. But I believe, truthfully, it's an internal battle of their voice saying, I've been cheating myself for the last 45 years, and I don't really, I, truthfully, I don't have anything, and I really don't want to start now. You're and prob- that's sad. You're, but you're, I, you're probably right. right. For a lot of people, I think you're probably right. It's, it's too late. It's too much work. 
And it is a lot of work. Mm-hmm. Let me let me ask you this because, you know, in my opinion, and when I, I teach young people in college, and I always end up having some adult learners in that class, no one has told them these things. And I give a lot of the same messages that you have in the book to them saying it's time. You just have to start. And I ask them, what are you passionate about? And some of the, the children, the younger people go, I don't even know what I'm passionate about. And I'm like, well, you better figure that out. That's what you're here. You're in college to figure that out. And then I say, what do you want to do? And they say, I want to work for uh, a nonprofit because I want to make a difference. And I'm like, you can work for a for-profit and make a difference. In fact, when you have money, you can make a bigger difference than when you don't have no money. Uh, It just works that way. But there's this great fear that they have to get through uh, to do that. So I, I, And the one thing that I try to convince them of is, it really doesn't matter what your brand is. You can't think about your brand and have this big contrived idea of what it's going to turn into. And I'll just ask you this because you work really hard on your own. I'm looking at you. No one else can see you. you got the red beats on, the red hat, the red shirt, <laughs> the sales guy. I think it says badass on it, which means it must be my shirt that you're borrowed. But uh, it does yes. say that. And, yes. and, and, <laughs> but, you know, you don't, you don't figure it out. You start moving down the path. And then when you get down the path, you can start to see different forks in the road that you might take. And then when you start climbing up and you get a little bit higher, you can see a little bit further. But you do have to start moving. You can't sit there because if you sit and wait until you've got it all figured out, you won't do anything. But once you take the first step, then you're on the path, and then it gets easier and easier to figure that out. Tell me, is that was that true for you, or were you born wearing red beads? Absolutely. No. Yeah. Yeah. Right. No. You, you nailed it, dude. I didn't go back and look at some of my oldest stuff, and when we first met, I, I didn't wear red plaid shirts. You know, I didn't have any red hats. Um, it just sort of happened by accident as, pe- as I engaged with people. I did wear plaid because I like plaid. But uh, as I started showing up at conferences and I started going places, people started associating me with a certain way and looking a certain way. And, and I realized, okay, wait a minute, this resonates with people. It's who I am. So, you know, it's just like you said, yes, yes. The answer is yes, it's a journey and you gotta, you gotta start. And I, I talk about this in, in the book as well. The idea of being deliberate, I call it deliberate learning is one facet of it, but you just have to be deliberate in what you do. And in the branding section, I have a whole section that talks about what are you passionate about? What can you make money with? Um, how can you help people? It, it sort of brings it all together and, and forces you to ask these questions of yourself. And then like you said, then get going. And there's nothing wrong with a left turn and a right turn because you know this, there's n- rarely do we ever set out in a direction and do we actually get there. It always shifts. It always shifts. So expect the. Sh- this is a quote right there. Expect the shifts. If if you're not changing your mind and changing your beliefs and changing your direction, you're not learning. I mean, if you're learning, it means yeah. you have to give up some things that you thought you knew and and bring in some new ones. Um, I want to go to yes. one more chapter, but before we end this, and and I like this chapter a lot. And, and to me, I think this is one that you're perfect to speak on. You're you're the right person to have written this chapter. Don't be boring. Uh, and and why are so many people boring? And especially in the world that we inhabit on social media, now everything is, it's written, it's video. There's lots of different ways to deliver the content, but people tend to be boring. And in business, I think in business, the rule is sort of like, listen, be boring. Don't, don't push the envelope. Don't color outside the lines here. Just stay within the lines all the time. And it makes for a really, really miserable work life. Mm-hmm. Your thoughts. You're right. You're right. So I wrote, I, so it's, you know, it's so funny. I love having this conversation with you because it's just bringing me back to the very first day I was preparing for this for these kids at University of Denver. And look, 
technically speaking, when I say don't be boring, yeah, that's the end result. But really, the root cause is fear. The root cause is fear. You're boring, not Anthony, but every person out here is boring because you're afraid of how people will react to you. So you default to this idea that if they don't react negatively, I'm okay. But guess what? There is no win in that. You cannot stand out. You cannot be successful. You'll not get there. I mean, look, there are some people who've done a brilliant job of being boring or not um, rocking the boat, and they've been able to sort of weave and move their way to the top. But that's not for everybody. Most people can't do it that way. So you got to get rid of the fear. You got to stop being afraid of what other people are going to think. You've got. You can't let the outside world dictate to you what you should do. So like you said, when people write or, I mean, back in the, you used to be a rock star back in the day with all your hair and you used to stand up and sing. It was freaking awesome. Well, I used to model back in the day and I modeled for people as, as big as, as um, uh, Tommy Hilfiger and, and stuff like that. Right. So were you like a foot model of, or a, a hand model? I know just this beautiful <laughs> face, baby. I just, I, I just, you know, um, and I would, and I also did some stuff for like, um, uh, Oh my God, it's been a long, uh, 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 shoot, come spit out, Jim. A um, uh, what do you call those? The catalog for a, a uh, Western, a Western catalog. Uh, come to me in a second. Shepler's. And I remember a lot of the times I would do this catalog work. Everything was like, oh, we're about to do a shoot. Like put Jennifer and Keenan together. Like, oh no, no, she's white. Don't do that. People get upset. So they made sure I was always with a black person. They were always with a white person. Or, you know, don't do this. That'll upset people. So everything, I remember going over and over in all the shoots, everything was don't upset anybody. Don't don't run the risk of, of it looking different. Made perfectly pressed, stand a certain way. And I remember thinking, that's what we're reduced to. Everybody's responding to negative reaction rather than potential positive reaction that you can get. And you're going to get the negative reaction. If you do anything, somebody's not going to like it. It doesn't matter what it is. So you, you just have to put yourself out there. I'm going to do that now. I want to just share with you an email that came through the uh, the sales blog. This week, knowing that I was doing this with you, I got this email, but we're doing it anyway. It says, um, I don't understand why such long gaps in between podcasts. I'm sure you're busy. We're all busy. But it seems you only find time to podcast when there's something to plug or sell. Okay, well, I've got something to plug or sell. I'm, I'm plugging Jim Keenan's Not Taught. He said, but the goal, he says, your goal is really to schlep as much OxyClean as your audience will buy and when they wise up to start selling something like Pocket Fisherman. So I want to assure you, Jim, you're, you're not my Pocket Fisherman, but I do want to push the book. <laughs> and I, I want people to read the book because I think the message is really important for where we are uh, today. And where we are today is you're, you're on your own. And you haven't been taught how to exist in this world. Now that it's changed and now that you really have one, you're not going to have the safety net that you had in the past with a company that's going to carry you to your retirement. And then number two, you also have the matching toolkit and the resources now to just go and do your thing. And there's never been a time where there weren't gatekeepers that said, Jim, you know, you're not good enough to have a, a, a daily blog. And you're like, I hit publish every single day. Or you're not good enough to have this show. Anybody can do anything they want to now, but you have to find your own way. And I think this book's a great starting point. So thanks for writing it. And when can people buy it? They can buy it now, Amazon.com, or they can go to nottop.com and click there and get it there. Uh, but it is ready to roll.
we're excited. And look, you, know, you said something I really want to capitalize on. And maybe it's partially how I position it, or maybe the title. We have a tendency to to talk about, you know, how the world is changing. And if people want to, they have to or need to do these things. But you just said what I think is the most exciting part of this book. For those people who get it, for those people who choose to embrace this, there's never been such a good time to be successful, be loaded, your own person, make your own rules, live where you want. Like, there's never been such a good time than there is now. I feel bad for my dad. He can't, he couldn't have done what I'm doing right now, what you're doing right now. My mom could not have done this. There is more opportunity today than there's ever been to be your own man, your own woman, and to make bank doing it and to do it on your terms, the way you want to and how you want to. There's never been that. So the opportunity is huge. And that's what excites me most about the book. Because those few people, the one in 10, who will see this as an opportunity rather than a to do, and they're going to blow it up. People go to nottot.com or amazon.com. Where do they find you on the web? A salesguy.com. Go see Jim at a salesguy.com. Thanks for being here. Thanks, baby. I enjoyed it as always. The forward to Not Taught was written by my good friend Chris Brogan. Do pick the book up, nottot.com. Also, cirrusinsights.com forward slash sales gravy. You can find Jim at asalesguy.com. You can find me at thesalesblog.com or youtube.com forward slash Anarino. I'm Anthony Anarino. This is In the Arena, and I'll see you back here next time.